In a time when evildoers parade their agenda before the world without shame, in a world where absolutes are being challenged and changed, in a society where truth is relative, welcome to a podcast that will edify, encourage, and empower you. A podcast that will speak God's truth in love. I'm your host, Myron Powell. Thank you for subscribing and listening to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Welcome to our podcast today. Thank you for subscribing, listening, and watching. Our topic on this broadcast is one work of holiness. Amen. And we categorize holiness as inward or outward, but really there's only one work of holiness because one without the other is not perfect Amen. holiness. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse 14 to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.1 tells us that we are to be holy in flesh and spirit. Flesh is outward, spirit is inward. Amen. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's not either or, it's both and. 1 Peter 1.16 tells us to be holy as God is holy. Therefore, holiness is doctrine. In fact, the only time you see the word doctrine in its plural form is when it refers to either the doctrines of men in Matthew 15, 9, or the doctrines of devils in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. So the apostles' doctrine, as seen in Acts 2, 42, is singular. Now, it includes the facets of the new birth, the mighty God in Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and holiness. It Amen. includes unity and love. These are not separate doctrines. They're, they're facets of a single doctrine. So this means that to be apostolic is to fulfill the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that we like the best. In other words, I can't just be apostolic because I believe in the new birth, but not believing in holiness. Amen. Now, <clears throat> Elder Kennedy, I think that was a pretty decent wind-up there, if I must say so myself, and I believe you're ready to swing and hit a home run here. So take it away and share with us what the Holy Ghost is saying to you. Amen, amen. Thank you, Bishop. But first, giving all thanks to Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To Bishop Powell, amen, at the God's own heart, thanks for all your support. And to all listeners on all different platforms, thank you for tuning in to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Amen. It's a blessing to be here to exalt the name of Jesus together. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20 says, What know ye not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, right. which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. Mm. These are familiar scriptures within our Christian circle. But even within our Christian circle, a large majority of those in the church today only focus on the spiritual part of glorifying God in our spirit and denying the glorification of the body, denying that there is one work of holiness. Mm -hmm. 
the one work of holiness lifestyle have always been a command that God required of his people and have always been a lifestyle practiced by God people. This one work of holiness is a lifestyle that God's children should always be practicing. The sole purpose of why we should glorify God in body and in spirit is simple. We do it because God said do it. Mm. Some may tell you that the only thing that matters is glorifying God in spirit and not in body. People, that's a lie, and a lie from the pits of hell. The verses make it crystal clear that there is one work of holiness, and that pertains the body and the spirit. Right. And we glorify God in our bodies. It confirmed to the world that we're glorified God in our spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 17, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruits, meaning there's only one work of holiness. This tree represents those who practice what they preach. This tree represents those who are living holy. This tree represents those who are loving Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. Those who are loving their neighbor as themselves. Jesus goes on to say, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruits. Although there's one work of holiness, these verses teaches us that there are several works of unholiness. Mm. The work of unholiness is one of three works of unholiness. A corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. This tree make it totally clear. These are people who despise our true and living God, that they totally hate and disregard anything that have to do with King Jesus. Mm. This tree is the most destructive of them all. This tree represents sinners and non-believers. It represents the wicked. It represents those who know God and still chooses to not glorify Jesus as God. Mm. See Romans 1 verse 21. This tree represents the population of fools who will even tell you that there is no God. Mm -hmm. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, A fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. This verse exposes three foul truths about this person. After acknowledging that only a fool have a heart like this, the verse goes on to say they are corrupt. Remember Matthew 7, verse 17 called this tree corrupt. Psalm 14, verse 1 also says they have done abominable works. Abominable mean causing disgust or hatred, producing a detestable spirit, and abominable work. It's a very bad or unpleasant work. Anything that opposes Jesus is a very bad and unpleasant work. Amen. They first end by saying, there is none that does good. There's a saying, rotten to the core. Well, that's how it look in scripture. 
beware of this destructive tree. Next, Matthew 7 verse 18 reveals the two other works of unholiness. It starts by saying a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruits. This is the second works of unholiness. This tree is the most deceiving of all trees. This tree would tell you just work on the inside. Just focus on your spirit. Just focus on your heart. Don't worry about your body. This tree will admit to you that it is in God's word how we should dress, how we should wear our hair. But in the same breath, they will tell you to avoid those scriptures. They will say that was then and this is now. They will say it does not matter how you dress. It does not matter how you should wear your hair, etc. This work of unholiness is the most deceiving of them all simply because it's basically telling God's people things that they want to hear. Mm. Or those who have fallen into the itchy ear congregation. Second mm. Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, shall they heed to themselves teachers, having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. What truth? That one work of holiness truth. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. What good manners? The one work of holiness manner. The last work of unholiness is revealed also in Matthew 7, verse 18. It ends by saying, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. This tree is the most discouraging of them all. This tree represents the ungodly. These are those who are in the church, but the church is not in them. Mm. This tree represents wolves in sheep clothing. See Matthew 7, verse 15. A wolf in sheep clothing is symbolic for someone who outwardly looks harmless and kind with good intention, but inwardly is full of hate, evil, and deceit. Matthew 7, verse 15 starts by saying, Beware of false prophets. This can be anyone serving in the fivefold ministry. Verse 16 starts by saying, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Meaning, you will know them by their interpretation of God's word. Do it inspire you to live a holy life? Do it encourage you to live that life that displays one work of holiness? The tree represents the ghosts who are mixed in with the sheep. See Matthew 25, 32 and 33. The wolves and goats become so discouraging because like Absalom stole the hearts of God's people. See 2 Samuel 15 verse 6. Likewise, we allow these spiritual con artists Mm. to steal our heart also. And if you've ever been deceived 
or discouraged by a spiritual con artist. And I pray for you right now. Many have been hurt. Many have left the church because of these spiritual con artists. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15, called them ministers of Satan. The verse teaches us that these ministers transformed themselves into ministers of righteousness, meaning they disguised themselves as one who is righteous. The verse ends by saying that their end shall be according to their works, meaning vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. See Romans 12, verse 19. Don't worry about these people. They will not escape God's judgment. Amen. There's a saying, some people can fool all of the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but they cannot fool God none of the time. Amen. So be encouraged. Hallelujah. They will not escape the judgment of God. Hallelujah. Bishop, we came by swinging. <laughs> Can you take our listeners to the next round of truth? Absolutely. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. You know, <clears throat> as you opened up talking about these different trees and, and making sure to fulfill that one work of holiness, I was reminded of Jesus's parable about the sower and the seed and the soil. Mm. According to the words of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels, the seed is the word of God. Yes. The sower is Jesus and or his church. Well, neither of these need any improvement. The seed is perfect. Jesus is perfect. And he's designed his church to be perfect. So really, the, the parable then becomes about the soil. Mm. And so uh, he tells it uh, using a real-life example of four different types of ground. The wayside, the stony ground, uh, among thorns, and of course, the good ground. Right. Well, the impetus then is that you and I can decide which type of ground we're going to be. What are we going to do in order to bear forth the fruit that pleases God? What are we going to do to make sure that we've received that seed and are bearing forth that fruit? I don't know a farmer, one, that will purposefully sow seed among any places like the wayside and so forth. So what he's saying here is when the seed is sown, you have the choice to become what type of ground you're going to be. In other words, Amen. if you'll take care of the root, God will bring forth fruit. Preach. Well, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and so I think we all want to be, and I believe our listeners want to be those type of believers that bring forth a 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so we want to do the one work of holiness and avoid those works of unholiness that you were just talking about. So I'm, I'm going to swing it back in your direction and, and let you continue because I know you got more to share. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Yes, sir. Like there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. <clears throat> Likewise, yes. there's only one work of holiness. One work of holiness. James 2, 8 through 10 says, If ye fulfill the royal law, mm. according to the scripture, yes. thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye is. do well. Mm. But if ye have respect of person, 
ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Notice these are New Testament scripture. And God is still charging his people to obey God's word, still commending or charging his people to fulfill the law. What law? The law of love. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no man anything mm-hmm. but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Matthew 22 verse 40 says, On these two commandments hang all the laws in the prophet. In James 2 verse 8 through 13, James began to teach, better yet gives a New Testament explanation of faith and religion, mm-hmm. the kind of religion that honors and show respect to the true and living God. Do your religion honor and respect Jesus, our Lord and God? Martin Luther said it like this, a religion that give nothing, costs nothing, and suffer nothing is worth nothing. James revealed three profound layers of that one work of holiness, <laughs> of that religion that glorified Jesus. And I touch on two of those layers. The first layers deal with our speech, meaning a controlled speech displays a changed heart. Right. James 1 verse 26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and brother not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain, meaning his religion is useless. Mm. This is one many of uh, one of many times that James talks about our speech. Also see James three, one through thirteen. Keep in mind that James, that James leaned heavily on what Jesus taught in the gospel. Right. Jesus clearly taught us that how we speak reflects what's in our heart. Matthew 12, verse 34 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil? Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Mm. Here Jesus exposes those that look good on the outside, but fall short of holiness in the inside. Some example of this can be appearing to be holy at church, but not at home. Mm. The way men speak to and about their wives tell the truth about their heart. Likewise, the way women speak to and about their husband tell the truth about their hearts. If you are engaging in gossip, if your word are Mm. biting, meaning if your word wound others, pierce or sting others, meaning hurt others, your religion is useless. Right. Now, I know we all have our moments, but and let me make this totally clear. I'm speaking to those who have made this behavior a lifestyle. Jane teaches us that the tongue is the test of true religion. Mm. We all should be speaking in a way that shows that the core of our heart belongs to God. Right. Hallelujah. James 1 verse 27 says, Pure religion in a defile before God and the Father is this, 
to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction mm -hmm. and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. According to this verse, pure religion consists of two activities. Right. First, visiting the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And secondly, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. James start verse 27 by saying pure religion. And he end this verse by saying, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Keeping yourself unspotted from the world deals with that one work of holiness. It deals with glorifying God in your body and in your spirit. There's two profound reasons why we should keep ourselves unspotted from the world. First, because it confirms the kind of religion that we practice. We learn from James that there are two kinds of religion. A vain religion, hmm. see, see James 1 verse 26, and a pure religion, see James 1 verse 27. Mm -hmm. To practice the kind of religion that pleases God, we must keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Secondly, it will also confirm our spiritual allegiance. In John 8 verse 23, Jesus said, I am not of this world. Mm -mm. In John 12 verse 31, Jesus describes Satan as the prince of this world. Question, which prince are you in relationship Amen. with? Are you in relationship with the prince of peace or the prince of this world? The way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we wear our hair, the way that we dress, reveal which prince we are in relationship with. It's the truth. Jesus teaches us in John 15, verse 8, that we glorify God when we bear much fruit. Not little fruit, but much fruit. Much fruit. How do we bear much fruit? This is done when we glorify him in our body and spirit. Matthew 13 Verse 22 teaches us that the cares of this world can cause a person to become unfruitful, meaning those who care more about the world desires and ways than what God desires will become unfruitful. If you're saved, show some sign that you're saved, All right. meaning bear the fruit of holiness. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Mm. How about a bishop? <laughs> like God breathing into man's nostril, mm. his breath breathed truth into our listeners. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, you started your, your second part there, and you talked about the one work of holiness, comparing it to one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. There's also one church. There's also one Calvary. Amen. There's also one second coming. So in other words... With all of this, including the one work of holiness, the oneness of God mm. is descriptive of his deity, his character, and everything about him and his kingdom. Amen. You can't get away from it. It's all throughout the entire word of God. You also uh, uh, mentioned in Matthew where Jesus mentioned about how that um, on the two commandments of loving God and loving others hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Basically summarizing the entirety of that, boiling it down to love, which is why you also referred to the royal law where Paul says love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. 
Well, it, it boils down to this. I first love God with everything in me, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, and then I love my neighbor as myself. You see, it, it, I don't want to steal from you, Kennedy, or covet things that you have, not because it's one of the one or two of the Ten Commandments, but because I love God and love you. Amen. Yes, the commandment is there. Yes, I need to obey them, but it's not based upon rules and regulations. It's based on relationship. Amen. So because I love you, because I love God. In other words, if I fall in love with God and fall in love with others, I want to keep his commandments. This is why Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. So keeping the commandments is hinged upon love. And everything that we're talking about here, the practice of holiness, the bearing of fruit, the making sure that the root is right and bearing forth the much fruit, as you just indicated, all comes down to Love. You asked this question just a moment ago, which prince are you serving? I would ask it this way as well. Who do you love? Mm. Because if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. If you don't love God and therefore love the world, then you'll keep the dishonest things, the the unrighteous works of Mm. holiness. It really boils down to that. So, well, you know, um, I I think you got just a little bit more to share before we close this up to... um, Take it away and and share it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Lastly, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Some may believe that this only referring to the spiritual good and bad deeds, and that is a portion of the whole entire truth. But verse 12 shines some light on verse 10. It says, For we command not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, Mm -hmm. that ye may have somewhat to answer him, with glory in appearance and not in heart. The simple fact that Paul make a reference of glorifying in appearance mm-hmm. proves that there was and is an outward standard of holiness. And that outward standard was not and is not a bad thing. What made it bad in this case is that they did not complete the work. Of, they left the work of the heart unfinished. We must complete the work of holiness. Amen. Paul uses a strong word, in uh, an offended word in verse 10. The word is judgment. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The fact that Paul uses the words judgment proved that this is an a uh, serious matter of the Lord. Yes. Never allow anyone to convince you that the way that you conduct yourself inwardly and outwardly does not matter to God. It does matter. That's why it's written in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. We glorify God in our bodies because our bodies should be used as an instrument and not an ornament. Ornament in this context means a thing used to make something look more attractive, but usually 
have no practical purpose or billiard have no spiritual purpose. The way the world tells you to live have no spiritual purpose. Second mm. Timothy 2, 20 through 22 says, but in a great house, they are not only vessel of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master use and prepared unto every good work. Yes, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yes. We reference 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 earlier. It ends by saying, which glory in appearance and not in heart, mm -hmm. meaning your outward action wasn't done out of a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2 verse 21 teaches us that those who strive to be a vessel unto honor can be used by the master for every good work. Our bodies is not for striking a pleasing figure, but for the purpose <laughs> of worshiping and serving God. Next, we glorify God in our body by keeping it under control. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 9 Verse 26 and 27 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to other, I myself should be a castaway. Right. God had purposely set up boundaries such as how we dress, how we wear our hair, modesty, impurity, mm, holiness, yes. to serve as indicators to prove to one another whether or not we're dis disciplining our body and bringing it unto subjection, yes, subjecting it to holiness. Are you subjecting your body to holiness? Mm -hmm. So glorify God in your body and spirit yes. by disciplining your body. Right. Lastly, we glorify God in our body by living pure. Yes. First Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee fornication. Right. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that committed fornication sin against his own body. If our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then we need to commit to keeping it pure. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse himself? Meaning, how can a young man live holy? Right. This verse goes on to answer this question. It ends by saying, by taking heed according to God's word. According to the word. The NKJV version. And God's word command us to glorify him in body and in spirit. Amen. Glorify him today in Jesus' name. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. As I bring my section to a close, decide today to be that good tree that bears good fruit. To decide today to have that religion that honor and respect 
Jesus, our Lord and God, decide today to do that complete work of holiness, glorifying God in body and in spirit. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Bishop, to blend in with the holiday season, (laughs) can you tie a bow on it for our listeners? Yes, I sure can. And thank you for setting it up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you package it just right. Um, I want to say this to our listeners today. and, And again, we welcome your questions and comments, but God does care about our hair. 1 Corinthians 11 clearly states this. Amen. God cares about the clothing that we wear, the attire, uh, and even the distinction between male and female as, that, as the attire is, uh, pertains to it. God cares about our hearts, our minds, our attitude, our thoughts, all of these and more. It's, it's all of the facets combined into one work of holiness. Uh, you don't get a pecan pie, but what you also have to put pecans in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's no pecans, it's not a pecan pie. It's just a it's just a pie. It, it, it's like this. Uh, we were talking earlier today, and and Elder Kennedy reminded me that, you know, if we were to go get breakfast uh, tomorrow morning, uh, and they brought us a dirty glass um, that was dirty on the outside but clean on the inside, neither one of us would want to drink from it. And if they took it back and they brought us another one, but it was it, this one was clean on the inside but dirty on the outside, we still wouldn't want to drink from it. In other words, we want that glass to be clean inwardly and outwardly before we're going to partake of what's inside. In Amen. other words, the one work of holiness is, is looking at it as a both and, the body and spirit, the flesh and spirit, not either or. Uh, another way to consider this is in the account in John 4, of the woman that was cast at Jesus's feet. She's committed adultery. She's been caught in the act of adultery and the law says she should die. Jesus said, he that's without sin cast the first stone, which he could have cast the first stone because he was sinless, Amen. but he chose not to. Praise and after everybody left, he asked her, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He, he exhibited both mercy Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more accountability or truth. It's both and. It's not either or. We have to understand that about everything with God, but especially about the one work of holiness. So again, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. Our email is rightlydividingwot at gmail.com. Again, that is rightlydividingwot at gmail.com. Our topic next time is going to be some questions and answers that we've received regarding holiness. And so we look forward to you tuning in. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. God bless you today in Jesus' name.